Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.55 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It's the 14th day of June, 2023, and this is episode 747, Palindrome. It's Palindrome Show of Bitcoin and where you got some damas to talk about, <clears throat> clearly, and uh, some implications of what's what's going on with the whole Apple, the whole Apple thing, which is really... It's just really, it's just hair pulling. It honestly is because it really, it really brings home what we've been fighting against all this time. And yet we keep getting swept back into the, the circulation. It's like being in an, an eddy at the side of a river. We keep going round and round and round. We keep thinking decentralized. And then what happens? We get sucked back into this eddy of centralization. That would be Apple. All right. So we're going to talk about that. Strike's got some news. Uh, We'll do market stuff. What else we got going on? Uh, Jack Dorsey is in the news. Also not have, or, but not in a way that has something to do with Thomas. Uh, talk about block green a little bit and whether or not, you know, the United States is really going to pull off a, a CBDC. But before all of that, I'd like to remind you that the Circle P store is open for business. What's the Circle P? The Circle P is where you can buy goods and services from plebs just like you, not a huge company. You know, not great big advertisers, not not guys that have a advertising budget, guys and gals out there that produce with their own hands or have a service that they perform by themselves, you know, without a, a whole crew of employees, and they're just trying to get a side hustle going on. You can help them do that by purchasing goods and services through Circle P. One of my favorite people in Circle P is Shishi, S-H-I, S-H-I. You can find him on Domus. I'll try to remember to put his NPUB into the show notes. At one point or another, I'll get something more formal going on with this, but I'm bootstrapping it, guys. I'm bootstrapping it, okay? It's like I, I as well am a single person. I do not have a staff. I don't have an intern. I don't have anybody helping me out except you guys, And therefore, the Circle P is supposed to help out you guys. See how that actually works? And because I'm a one-man show, and I don't have interns, and I don't have a six-person staff, and I don't have money to fly across the world and do all the the kinds of neat stuff that uh, seemingly everybody else does have, uh, I got to bootstrap stuff. So there's no formal website. There's no... I haven't set up a, a Noster storefront for this because honestly, they're not my products. They're the products of plebs and services or the 
they're the products and services of plebs just like you. I don't exactly know how I can formalize this into a quote-unquote storefront, but I'm going to figure something out. But for now, this is the store. My voice is the store that is the Circle P. She, she sells comfrey. It's a beautiful plant. It does all manner of things. You should have this plant growing everywhere if you can. And honestly, you buy if you do it right, you buy one rootstock from Shishi or two, get both the Bocking 14 variety and the Bocking 4 variety, and uh, you'll you'll be covered. But you, once you have the rootstock, if you understand how this plant works, you'll never need to buy another chunk of root from anybody ever again. And you can just continuously get this plant growing in places that you want to mulch that you if you just want to have a whole bunch of it for composting with a whole bunch of you know dry leaves and stuff if you want to make compost tea or a comfrey tea with it then you you're going to want a lot and you can make a lot out of it you start small it's bootstrapping you you, you go to shishi at shi shi over on noster and you say hey shishi give me some bocking 14 and give me some bocking 4 and you'll you'll figure it out. But from those small beginnings, I started the same way. I started with a handful of roots that I got. I can't even remember who I bought them from. I think the guy's name was Co. Co's Comfrey. And I don't even know how to get in touch with this dude anymore. I bought Bocking Four Roots, and I kept propagating this plant. I ended up with, I think he gave me 12. Uh, it was like a baker's dozen. There was like 13 or 14 roots and I I bought a dozen and I can't even remember how much I paid for it. And over the years, I ended up going from 12 plants to something like 350. Not, not shitting you. It took five years or maybe six. And it would have been faster if I had been more Johnny on the spot and propagating this stuff. But there's no reason in the world that you have to buy this stuff twice. Okay. And it does, it's got medicinal purposes. It's got fodder. You can feed it to rabbits. Love this stuff, by the way, don't feed it to them as their sole source, but you know, it's, it's a, it's good for like boosting their protein. It does all manner of stuff and you're going to want it. If you tell she, she, that you heard it on the Bitcoin and circle P store, then he gives me a cut of anything that you buy. And that helps me help she, she help you and the people that you love support each other and get the products and services that you love. Now it's time to get into the news. Prime Trust is at the top of the deck. Blanche Gat, Cointelegraph, Prime Trust subsidiary bank, spelled B-A-N-Q, files for bankruptcy amid BitGo acquisition deal. And this is a bad one, guys. I don't think I don't think the acquisition is going to go through, but we'll see. The payment subsidiary of crypto custodian Prime Trust Bank filed for bankruptcy protection in the United States on June the 13th, court documents show. The move comes just days after wallet infrastructure provider and digital asset custodian BitGo signed a non-binding letter of intent to acquire Prime Trust, which was announced on June the 8th. Bank's bankruptcy filing listed $17.72 million in assets and $5.4 million in liabilities. And here's the kicker. They cited the unauthorized transfer of 
$1.5 million in assets to Fortress NFT Group, as well as the illicit transmission of trade secrets and proprietary information to Fortress NFT. Fortress NFT Group was set up by Bank's former CEO, Chief Technology Officer and Chief Product Officer, reports say, and Bank is currently in arbitration with Fortress over these allegations. The timing of the filing, you know, just after the BitGo acquisition, acquisition deal of Bank's parent, Prime Trust, was announced, raises questions about how it might affect the agreement. While the terms of the deal were not disclosed, if it goes through, BitGo will acquire Prime Trust payment rails and cryptocurrency IRA fund, increasing its wealth management offerings. Prime Trust's Nevada Trust Company will also join BitGo's network of regulated trust companies in South Dakota, New York, Germany, and Switzerland. Prime Trust's API infrastructure and exchange network will map over one-to-one with BitGo services. BitGo stated, quote, This acquisition makes BitGo the first global digital asset company to provide a full suite of solutions for institutions and fintech platforms. The BitGo Prime Trust deal, if it goes ahead, comes just as the United States Securities and Exchange Commission has proposed rule changes that would make it harder for crypto companies to act as custodians of their customers' funds. Prime Trust has been under pressure for a while, reportedly laying off a third of its staff in January. Later, it stepped in to hold Binance.us customer funds through a network of partner banks after the banking crisis in March. In 2022, it was was at the center of a scandal in the United States state of Oregon when it was identified as the source of a $500,000 contribution to the state Democratic Party that later turned out to have come from former FTX executive Nishad Singh. BitGo itself was close to being acquired by Galaxy Digital for $1.2 billion in 2022 and later sued Galaxy for acquisition breach after the deal was canceled. So the meat and potatoes of this is that almost all of their assets has gone over to this thing called Fortress NFT. You can guess what that shit's about, right? Because that company was set up by its former, what, CTO? Let's make sure about that. Uh, no, the former CEO, uh, let's see, Fortress NFT group was set up by bank's former CEO, chief technology officer and chief product officer. So three guys got together, formed Fortress NFT, and then magically $17.5 million of prime trust assets went away, went over to Fortress. All right. If as much as I'm not a fan of Mike Belshi because he is, he is a signatory on the New York agreement and I won't get into what that is, but it was, they were trying to control Bitcoin and it didn't work. They got egg on their face, but he never apologized as much as I don't like him. I would walk away from this deal as fast as I possibly could. And he can without any, any problems whatsoever. There's no possibility of a breach of acquisition suit on this. Why? Because the agreement that was made between BitGo and Prime Trust is a non-binding letter of agreement. Where have we seen that before? Binance. When Binance was going to do the, the buy FTX, yeah, which was all bullshit. That was a non-binding letter of agreement. And then like, what was it? 
48 hours later, they're, you know, CZ's like, no, we looked at your balance sheets. We don't want none of this. I, I don't, I actually think that they knew how bad it was and they made that offer and it was just, it wasn't a troll. CZ doesn't do things like trolling. He did this. I don't, I don't, I don't know if he was trying to crush competition or what, but he made that offer. And I don't think there was anything about that offer that was above board at all. I don't think CZ had any plans whatsoever to actually acquire FTX. And it wasn't just because it was a non-binding letter of agreement, but it doesn't matter because BitGo right now is in a position to walk away. And if I was Mike Belshi, I would run. Now, Domus, let's get into the freaking fiasco. Bitcoin Magazine, BTC Casey, decentralized social networking app Domus set to be removed from Apple's App Store. Uh, new shit has come to light, so let's read this one. In a surprising turn of events, Domus, the popular decentralized social networking app built on Noster, is facing removal from Apple's App Store. Apple claims that Domus violates their guidelines by allowing users to send tips or zaps associated with receiving content from digital content creators through a mechanism other than in-app purchase. This violation of guideline 311 or 3.1.1 business and payments in-app purchase has prompted Apple to take action according to the message sent to Domus creator William Kassarin. The news comes at a critical time for Domus and its creator, who was set to give a talk at the Oslo Freedom Forum on how decentralized social networks integrating with Lightning Technology can bring financial freedom to the masses. The impending removal from the App Store raises questions about the freedom to transact peer-to-peer on the platform and has broader implications for apps that rely on Lightning integration and value-for-value models on the App Store. In an official communication from Apple's App Review, Domus received notice that an update complaint with the App Store Review guidelines must be submitted within 14 days to ensure the app's availability and failure to comply within the given time frame will result in the app being removed from sale. Additionally, if Domus has found out uh, to be out of compliance and rejected even after the 14-day period, it will remain unavailable until a compliant update is submitted, approved, and released. The removal of Domus from the App Store would not only impact its current users, but also affect external and internal testing through the test flight version. All public test flight links will cease to function if the app is taken down. This development raises questions about the future of apps with Lightning integration and the potential limitations on peer-to-peer transactions on Apple's platform. It remains to be seen how Domus and the creator will respond to this setback and whether they can find a solution that aligns with Apple's guidelines while maintaining the core principles of decentralization and financial freedom. One interesting note is that Twitter allows for tips through the Lightning network if enabled on a profile which many large accounts do have. It is unclear how this function differs from the Zap feature within Domus, as both utilize Lightning and do not rely on in-app purchases. In the face of uncertainty, Kassarin expressed his concern, stating, quote, if people can't transact freely P2P on their platform, this has huge implications for the entire ecosystem of apps with Lightning integration and value for value, end quote. 
The statement reflects the gravity of the situation and the potential ramifications for the broader ecosystem of decentralized social networking apps. In another note posted on Noster, Kassarin said that, quote, it's been an honor zapping with y'all, implying that the most likely next step is the removal of zaps in order to comply with the App Store regulations. Responses to the note express support and appreciation for the creation of the app and hope that zaps will at some point return. United States Congressman Warren Davidson has waded into this, by the way. He's released a statement on Twitter that read, uh, it reads thusly, permissionless peer-to-peer payments are essential to defending freedom. Anyone opposed to self-custody is telling you they do not trust you with your own assets. Instead, they want a third party as an intermediary who can be monitored and controlled. Hashtag payment privacy. He, that's not out in the wind all by itself. He's actually retweeting the Domus, uh news release he's or a, the Domus put out a tweet that said Domus will be removed from the app store in 14 days and gave you know the screenshots of the message that they got from apple warren davidson's retweeting that tweet he's retweeting the Domus tweet when he says what he just said to keep that in mind because not i mean how warren davidson and tom emmer's thing is going to fly which has nothing to do with Domus right now but how that's going to fly, I don't know. But now he's like starting to look at what's going on here and say, no, 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 this shit's wrong. In addition, Twitter founder and former CEO Jack Dorsey tweeted at Apple CEO Tim Cook saying, the function has the capacity to bring people around the world into the economy without the traditional gatekeepers. Please reconsider Tim Cook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I read I read you that tweet yesterday. So, now we got Warren Davidson and Jack Dorsey coming out in defense of what's going on with Domus. Now, so it appears that this is sort of the my take on this. It appears that what Apple's problem is, is not zapping in particular. It's the zapping of a specific individual note. That's their problem. They don't have seem to have a problem with zapping as long as you're zapping the profile. This has implications for Walker's theory of zapvertising, and I love zapvertising. I really do. You know, I was listening to Guy Swan uh, yesterday talking about zapvertising. He's got a you know a, a very different take on some of the you know pitfalls of what zapvertising means, and I tend to agree with most of his argument, but I still love zapvertising. Because as we learn how to do new commerce, how we learn how to function in a new advertising model, maybe, just maybe, we can break the mold of this unethical, immoral advertising behavior that we've been entrenched in since, well, I'm going to say it, since World War II and the rise of United States propaganda through uh, Madison Avenue, which is like you call it, K Street is where all the lobbyists live in Washington, D.C. Well, in New York, if you want to go to the fashion district, there's another street for that. If you want to go to, you know, down to Broadway to go see a Broadway show, you go down to Broadway. Madison Avenue is where all the advertisers live. And they became very adept at propaganda. And then they became even more adept at propaganda after the end of what? 
World War II because a lot of the Germans that were captured, there was a lot of scientists like, you know, Werner von Braun who helped NASA create the space program and the ability to launch rockets into space and get released from the grip of Earth's gravity so that we could go to the moon. And if you believe in that or not believe in that, I don't, I don't care. It not, it doesn't matter. Shit goes out into space. The, the Nazi scientists that we gathered up and I, was it called? I can't remember. I want to say it was called operation paperclip, but I'm not sure, but we know that that actually occurred. We didn't send them to prison. We took a whole bunch of their scientists and threw them into our space program. Was that the only people that we gathered up? No, we gathered up propagandists and then our advertising models changed like everything else changed after world war two, because our agriculture started really getting screwed up after world war two, because the people making tanks and bombs needed to make money. So they figured out how to convert tanks into tractors and then convinced all the farmers to actually use what would be used to make dynamite and high explosives as plant food. I, they never lot. They never skipped a beat. They never skipped a beat. And I guarantee you our advertising models are so broken and so misaligned and filled with so much garbage, immorality and unethical behavior. I can't even see straight. I stopped watching television like 10 years ago. I, I can't do it anymore. I can't, I can't take one more Pfizer commercial and it was bad 10 years ago. Right? So I like this advertising. I want to be able to be respectful to the people that I advertise on, but now that looks like it's probably going to go away. Kind of. It'll pop up in other places, I guarantee you. We're not going to let it die, but this is a setback. It's a, it's a huge setback. However, silver linings always appear. Sometimes they appear in the form of humor. The Bitcoin bugle is a satire uh, or has come out as a pretty good satire website about Bitcoin stories. It's, you think of Babylon B, uh, the onion or whatever the hell that they call that, um, where it's not exactly true. However, I want you to, to form in your mind the picture of a court jester around, I don't know, King Arthur. Just think King Arthur and that there's the dude with the jester hat shaking his rattle and you know making people laugh. That's a really piss poor version of what a court jester actually, their actual function was not that. It, it kind of was, but the court jester was commentary, specifically political commentary. And it was the only dude that didn't get put to death immediately by disagreeing with the king and or queen. It was through the, through the guise of satire that the truth can be told. And that's why I'm bringing you Ginger B. Stiffen from the Bitcoin Bugle breaking, breaking y'all, breaking is breaking news. Apple formally recognizes Bitcoin as money. In a surprising turn of events today, tech titan Apple Incorporated has formally recognized Bitcoin as money. This move is seen by many as a clear next step in Apple's trajectory following their earlier involvement with Bitcoin via the inclusion of the Bitcoin white paper on every Mac. While the white paper was removed in future updates, the company's latest decision to embrace the cryptocurrency signals a landmark shift. 
This move comes after a recent controversy where Apple warned the Noster-based Domus app to comply with its guidelines or face removal from the App Store. Domus, a front-end app for Noster, an open-source microblogging system, has been under scrutiny for its Bitcoin tipping feature. Apple's decision to recognize Bitcoin as money has now cast these events in a new light. New shit's come to light, bro! Some Bitcoin users, however have expressed frustration with the move, citing central control by Apple and urging the use of Graphene OS and other more open platforms. Their concern seems to center on the tension between decentralized ethos of Bitcoin and the controlled environment of Apple's platform. Others seem to have wholeheartedly welcomed the move, seemingly implying that Apple is doing this as a prelude to, quote, Sherlocking, unquote, Domus. Tim Cook, CEO of Apple, has yet to comment on the company's decision. Meanwhile, other prominent figures in the tech industry, such as Jack Dorsey uh, from Twitter and a known Noster partisan, have weighed in on the discussion. Earlier, Dorsey had called on Apple to reconsider its stance on the Domus app, stating that Apple seemed to misunderstand the nature and potential of the app's feature. Quote, it's a critical part of the future of the Internet, Dorsey said. It has the capacity to bring people around the world into the economy without traditional gatekeepers. The Domus app, developed by William Kassarin, has been heralded as a tool that could bring financial freedom to the masses. This new development adds another layer to the narrative, though what this means for the future of Domus remains uncertain. Apple's move to formally recognize Bitcoin as money represents a significant moment for both the tech giant and the cryptocurrency. While the implications of this decision are still unclear, it is evident that this move could have a considerable impact on the broader ecosystem of apps with Lightning integration. Okay, so that's the article, again, by Ginger B. Stiffen, The Bitcoin Bugle. If you guys haven't seen this, it's thebitcoinbugle, all one word, dot com. That's thebitcoinbugle.com. Um, she... It's not true because this is satire. However, it is true because it's satire. This is what the court jester used to do. Bring the obvious elephant into the room and point at it and make sure that the king looks at it. Because the elephant in the room is that Apple has recognized Bitcoin as money. Indeed, Ginger B. Stiffen is absolutely 100% correct, even though this is a satire piece, even though Tim Cook will tell you right to your face that they are not recognizing Bitcoin as money, that nothing could be further from the truth. That's exactly what he will say. I suggest that we start pushing this way. I think we should start pushing the narrative. If they're going to push the bullshit narratives on us, then we have no problem pushing bullshit narratives on them, even though this one isn't bullshit. Ginger B. Stiffen is absolutely 100% correct. Apple has indeed recognized Bitcoin as money. Through their actions against Domus, they have recognized Bitcoin as money, and that's a big deal. I think we should push that. I think we should push that all day long and twice on Sunday. Now, Zeus has been rejected by Apple. (laughs) It highlights a need for open alternatives. Uh, no bullshit Bitcoin, no BS Bitcoin.com has it. Zeus version 0.7.6 release might be delayed for iOS users as it was rejected by the App Store. This time, Apple cited guideline 3.1.5 
as a reason for rejection. It requires the developer to submit applicable licenses and permissions required to distribute an app with cryptocurrency exchange features. Quote, your app facilitates the transmission of a virtual currency, but was not submitted by a corresponding exchange or recognized financial institution, end quote. Further quote, to resolve this issue, please provide documentary, or sorry, <coughs> documentary evidence demonstrating that you have the necessary licenses and permissions to distribute an app with cryptocurrency exchange features in all the locations where your app is currently available, stated the rejection message shared by the app's developer, Evan Kaloudis. As noted on Breeze, non-custodial wallets, or sorry, as noted by Breeze, uh, a, a non, another another wallet maker, non-custodial wallets such as Zeus should be approved as there's a specific exception in the same guidelines section. Um, it says, let's see, quote, these things happen during an app review, the company added. As such, the update is still expected to come through sometime soon unless something else pops up. Even so. The events from recent days highlights the issues of depending on Apple's permissioned app store and a need for more open alternatives. All right, so I'm going to stop right there because this it just demonstrates what I was saying at the opening of the show. We're in a we're in like a tidal pool, a little eddy at the side of a river, if you will. We can't break out of it. We keep thinking we're decentralized, and yet we depend on Apple. And then even I said it, I've been thinking about going and getting a pixel phone. I've been wanting one for a while and get off this, this Apple bullshit. You know, pixels are good. I've heard nothing but good things about them. I hear they're rock solid. I hear they're like damn near, you know, indestructible and you can side load. But who am I depending on? Google. That's another Eddie that just happens to be on the other side of the river. Who's to say that at one point or another, they won't push an update that just shuts everything down. What the hell do we do? Build our, well, I, I was about to say build our own company, but that's, that's completely incorrect. Supporting people like Start9, Purism, maybe. New companies need to come to light. And you're saying, yeah, Dave, they're going to do the exact same thing. They would if they remained the same company. Here's my theory. So let's take Start9. Let's say that they seize the moment as I think that they should and really push the narrative that they're already pushing. They don't need to even change their narrative. They just need more people to buy their products so that they have more money in the bank so that they can do the following, grow bigger. And, and you're saying, David, you're, 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 you're going down the same path. You're sending these people down the exact same path. They'll end up being the next Apple and they'll have a CEO that hates freedom and is one of Klaus Schwab's puppets. Okay, I get that. What happens if Start9 installs a set of bylaws that may not be violated by anybody in the future, no matter what seat they hold in the company? C-suite, board of directors, let's say they even put themselves up for sale. And, and I, I mean, on like the New York Stock Exchange, they start selling shares of their stock. They do an IPO. Those bylaws doesn't really matter. You can install those. And the bylaws would state, after a certain amount of revenue has been seen, or like net income, not gross, but net income has been, well, actually probably say gross, maybe a combination of gross and net income, but it's based around income. When it gets to a certain point, we may no longer grow and we have to split the company into two. 
And those bylaws go to those two companies. And then when those two companies, which were spawned by a specific set of morals and ethics, grow, and they hit a cap, they have to split into two companies each. So what was one, what was one is now, what, four? And divide again and divide again. Put the laws into place that are inviolable now. And that way you have at least a shot of decentralization. And guess what? The tech goes along for the ride. They start competing against each other with their own tech. And if one company develops better tech, it won't really matter because when they like take the market share and get to a certain revenue model, they have to split into two because of the bylaws that are permanent and inviolable. This is the only way forward. That's my opinion. I'm, if you have another opinion, if you have another idea, I'd love to hear it. But I don't see how to escape the notion because people still need to make money to pay bills. They still need to feed their families, right? Companies are going to be built to affect that and to hire people that don't want to build their own company. They just want to go work for another company so that they can affect that. If you get to the size of Apple, Google, God forbid, Tesla, Twitter, and well, the X family of companies, uh, Berkshire Hathaway, when you get, well, actually Berkshire Hathaway probably doesn't have that many people working for it because it's just, they just own a bunch of different companies, but they don't own all of them, right? They don't own all of each one of the companies that are in their portfolios. They don't really do the management. They're not really there. They just own a majority stake and they can pretty much call the shots, but management is left up to the company. That was Warren Buffett's entire thing. Find good companies with good revenue and a good product that has good management. If they had everything but bad and then had bad management, Warren Buffett walked away. My point here is that you can't get to these size companies without this exact shit happening. This shit's always going to happen. There's only one way forward that I can see. Bylaws that are put in place by companies today, whether it be River, Start9, Purism, that split, that has bylaws that say, past a certain point, motherfucker, you can't grow anymore. And it's in the best interest of these companies because Apple's so goddamn big. And I've said this about giant insects. They never existed. There are big insects. There are insects that are as big as your arm. I'm talking like horse-sized insects. Never existed. Okay, you had pictures of it in the old dinosaur books. Never happened. Because the size of the insect has a surface-to-volume ratio. And since insects don't have lungs in a pulmonary system, they have to depend on oxygen infusion through the surface area. And when you get too big for your britches, you're not getting enough oxygen to be able to sustain the thing. That's where Apple and Google and all these assholes are right now. And that's why they're becoming evil because they're rotting from the inside out because they're decaying because they can't get enough oxygen We've got, I mean, this is the only way forward that I see. If you disagree with me, fine, do it through a boostagram. But I implore you for all the boostagrams and stuff, you might want to wait a couple of days. I'm up, <clears throat> I'm updating my lightning node and it's be, it's being a, a little shit. I, I, I think I'm going to end up buying a start nine, 
uh, and see if I can get some better performance. Uh, because this happens a lot when I try to upgrade my node. I've been upgrading my node BTC since last night and it's still offline. So might want to wait. Anyway, let's move on. Strike launches instant cheap remittances to Mexico using Bitcoin Lightning. Uh, pausing to say Strike is another company that should split down the middle when it gets to a larger, a large enough revenue share. Those The bylaws should be put in place now by Jack Mallers. They should be permanent. They should be inviolable. No matter who says what in the future, the company hits, I don't know, a billion dollars a year in revenue. It's got to split into two. Sorry, sorry for you, but that's just that's the only way to keep any semblance of decentralization and it goes for Strike just as well. Strike, the global money app, has announced the expansion of its payment services Send Globally to Mexico, the largest market for cross-border payments from the United States. This move comes as cross-border payments from the United States to Mexico reach historic highs, with Mexico receiving a record $60 billion in remittances from the United States alone last year. By leveraging Bitcoin's Lightning Network, Strike aims to provide a faster, cheaper, and more accessible alternative to traditional money transfer providers in Mexico. With SIN globally, users will be able to enjoy instant payments to a Mexican bank account without added transaction fees. Uh, to facilitate these transfers, dollars are converted into Bitcoin, which is sent via the Lightning Network to a third-party partner. The partner then converts the Bitcoin into local currency and sends it directly to the recipient's bank account. Strike has partnered with Rilampago Rilampago in Mexico to enable transfers from U.S. dollars uh, that are received as local currency in a recipient's bank account. Emmanuel Joy, CEO of Rilampago, expressed pride in the partnership, stating, quote, By harnessing the Lightning Network, we enable instant, low-cost cross-border payments and are transforming the financial landscape for a million of Latin American individuals that have put a tie on that suit speak. Since its launch in December of 2022, Strike has expanded SIN globally to over a dozen countries, including the Philippines, Vietnam, Nigeria, and now Mexico. These countries are among the top 10 largest cross-border markets in the world. Strike's expansion of Send Globally to Mexico demonstrates its commitment to providing accessible and efficient cross-border payment solutions. With the rising importance of remittances and the demand for faster and cheaper transfers, Strike's innovative approach has the potential to positively impact millions of people in Mexico and other countries around the world. Don't get me wrong. I like Strike. I like Jack Mallers. I think, I think that that dude is, is uh, the dude's an inspiration. Let's Let's be honest, but all of us start, we need to start now thinking about if it's, if the future is to be decentralized, then how do you affect that? We, we sure as shit can't depend on Apple and we're not going to be able to depend on Google. We shouldn't be depending on Amazon, honestly, for anything. It put more bookstores out of business than anybody else can imagine. And it's putting a whole bunch of other stuff out of business too, by the way. But be that as it may, can't depend on them. I wouldn't depend on eBay or Craigslist or anything that's become a behemoth. So how do we affect the decentralized future? Well, we we must rend ourselves voluntarily when we get to a certain size. By rending, I mean tearing into. And I know that sounds bad. And it may sound stupid to you, but just think. Just think about what that means. You become in competition with yourself. 
but your ideals might have a chance to live on in another organism. Whereas if it's in the same organism all the time, and that organism doesn't actually produce offspring, viable genetic offspring, then the species has no hope for survival, does it? That's an evolutionary rule. All right, let's do this one. Oh, actually, you know what? Let's not do this one. Uh, yeah, because we're running into time. Let's get let's get into the numbers. Okay, I got West Texas Intermediate. Earl is down almost half a point to sixty nine dollars and eleven cents. Brent North Sea is likewise down point four two percent. 73.98 there. Natural gas is up a half a point to $2.35 per thousand. And gasoline is up a third of a point, just flipped to uh, 0.4, to $2.56 a gallon. Gold is up a half a point to 1968.90. Silver is up 1.17. Platinum is the only shiny metal rock down today by a third. Copper is up almost a full point. Palladium is up, woohoo, 3.16%. What's going on in the palladium market? Lumber is down a third of a point. Biggest loser in ag today is going to be cotton, down almost a full point. Uh, the biggest winner today, and there's not many of them, is cocoa, 1.1% to the upside. Live cattle is down one and a, oh God, 1.6%. Lean hogs, however, are up 2.57%. Feeder cattle are down 1.79%. The Dow is down a half point. S&P is up 0.1. NASDAQ is up 0.24. S&P mini is down 018 uh, yeah, we got some other market news on the other side of this segment. $25,977.65 is the price of Bitcoin today. And let me get rid of some of these things on bitinfocharts.com. Uh, that is after 428,000 BTC have exchanged hands in the last 24 hours. Average transaction value 1.31 BTC. Median transaction value $76.55. Block times are extremely high, 12 minutes and 31 seconds. That's after hitting a hash rate all-time high yesterday. So there's a lot of volatility going on in hash rate and has been uh, since the whole release of the ordinals thing for whatever reason. Uh, let's see here. Do, 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 do. We had a 7.16% drop in hash rate, bringing us down to 359 exahashes per second. We had 0.32 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 37 and a quarter taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. Your shitcoin indicator, Dogecoin, 6.2 United States pennies. Do with that what you will. $503.8 billion is Bitcoin's market cap. That is 3.91% of gold's entire market cap. If you so choose, you may purchase 13.5 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19 million. 401,886.93 of and 5,392 and a third of those are in the Lightning Network, now valued at $140 million on the dot. Looks like we have 70,276 payment channels on the Lightning Network and 63.7% uh, of the Lightning Network is being carried over Tor. We have an estimated negative 12.2% estimated difficulty change going on June the 27th. And that's, that's that number that, that bullshit number that always comes up right after difficulty change, because we did just have a difficulty change. 
mempool.space. Looks like we have 188 blocks carrying 266 unconfirmed transactions waiting to clear. Uh, 24 Satoshis per V-byte is going to be your low priority transaction. High priority is 27 Satoshis per V-byte or about a buck for a standard SegWit transaction. Uh, Bitcoin and dropped to, I believe, the number eight in the top 10 charts, if you're, you know, keeping track. And I'm probably going to drop further because my lightning node is offline. And that's uh, the way that being able to send me a boost and be able to stream me Satoshis is how Fountain figures out who actually is going to get into the charts. And since my shit's offline right now, and God, I pre- please pray for me, ladies and gentlemen, that I can get my lightning node back online and not lose everything. Um, it's I'm not going to be able to get any boost. But I did get boost yesterday for uh, episode 746 entitled Watch This. Henry G. QJ with 28,000 Satoshis, or at least he tried, says, Oscar says he has fixed the zap issue, so fingers crossed you get this. I, I don't know because I can't view my lightning node yet. Uh, Mary Oscar the creator of one of the creators of fountain uh, came back and said, looks like we're still having issues getting through to this node investigating. I had to write him back and say, Oscar, my node is updating since last night. So it's offline at the moment. Henry G Q J with 10,000 Satoshi says, look like it's less broken. It's just you not getting the sats to your node. Now Uh, to quote a great TV show, you should, you probably won't get the reference for have quote, have you tried turning it off and on again? Uh, yeah, that's been occurring several times during the night. Letter 6173 with the Striper Boost 7777 says, Be prepared for what comes next, friends. Self-custody, maintain health, and consider God. I agree. Nick underscore dose with 1369 says, Fuck Apple. He comes back with another 1368 and says, And cheers. Mary Oscar with a thousand sats says test. He's just testing stuff out. Dubrovko, 1000 sats says regarding the horology article, quote, any fool, including myself, can show you the differences between two subjects or objects. Similarities exist, however, to bridge our understanding and understanding is cumulative. He says, guess who? And I do not know who said that, but I will look for it though. Pies with a thousand says dropping knowledge and dropping truth. David Bennett serving humanity, bringing the heat. Thank you, bro. Uh, Jen in Indy with 500 says love the launch of the circle P. I do too. Dubrovko with 500 sat says in a way what happened to, and he's got, he used an emoji and for whatever reason, that emoji is not rendering as anything but a square for me. But he says in a way what happened to emoji is their own fault. One, Odyssey would literally have copied their whole collection of videos for them and every video that made after that. B, (laughs) their social media person should be posting the exact same thing to Nostra every time. And Roman numeral three, they, Swan BTC, preach about self-sovereignty and drop the ball on some of their largest outreach work, emailing this to them. Good luck, bro. uh, Monard with... 500 says, Dave, keep up the good work and thanks for cultivating such an awesome community. I wasn't aware I was cultivating a community, but I guess that sort of happens. If I am, 
then I'm grateful for you guys being part of it. God's death with 370 says, thank you, sir. Gvart Beerborn with 250 says, every Bitcoiner should learn about PGP keys and how to use them. It's industry standard as soon as you leave the clear net. And guess what? We might get pushed out of it for some time. If the powers to be decide to go berserker during the then they fight you phase, he replies back to that and says, by the way, lobsters do not equal insects. To put into perspective, <laughs> by the time the lineages leading to those two groups diverged from their last common ancestor about 500 million years ago, our lineage was diverging from the last common ancestor between us and lampreys. I'm going to give him that. However, I still regard lobsters as sea roaches. They're, I will always look at them as insects. I can't do anything else. He may be functionally and genetically correct. However, I see lobster, I see sea roach, except that I will eat a lobster because honestly, man, that's good shit right there, bro. Uh, Pies with 250 said, had to boost again the amazing rant. <laughs> Everything Satoshi with 100 says, great show as always. Hope Swan and other Bitcoin native companies run their own Nostra relays or Nostra clients in the future. Plus, a decentralized web, I believe in the works. Dubrovko with 100 says, and not an attempt at a malicious rug pull is precisely what someone says before they maliciously rug pull. Dubrovko again with 100 sat says, my brother in Christ. Sometimes I believe you misspeak just for the boost slash corrections. Quote, you can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. End quote. Yes, that's, I screwed that up yesterday. It's not check in. You can check out anytime you like. You just can't leave. Sure, you can say bye, uh, but there's no door. There's no window to get out of. That's Apple. That's Google. That's Amazon. You can check in anytime you like, but you can never leave. Also, anyone able to tell me what Hotel Hotel California is really about, I'll zap you 1,000 sats. Here is the Noster note regarding it, and he's got the note. I'll try to remember to put that in the show notes. Actually, let me do that right now, because it's just a mirror. Control-C, and go up here, and I'll Control-V it right there. So I got it when I do the show notes. All right, there we go. Oh, oh, that, yeah. That, that's it. That's the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Bitcoin stays flat at 26K after PPI data uh, and markets await feds pal god william suberg dude work please work on these headlines uh coin telegraph is uh, giving it to you a bitcoin stuck at twenty six thousand on june the 14th as fresh united states macroeconomic data prints failed to move the cryptocurrency markets nobody gives a shit because we all know ppi is bullshit Data from Cointelegraph Markets Pro and TradingView shows BTC USD pair staying stubborn as producer price index data showed United States inflation continuing to slow. You know, it's because nobody has any money to actually spend anything. In line with its reaction to the consumer price index print the day prior, the pair failed to offer traders volatility, sticking to a familiar range between various moving averages. Market commentators thus turned to the day's upcoming Federal Reserve decision on interest rates as well as subsequent comments from Jerome uh, or Chair Jerome Powell for a source of inspiration. So that's sort of where we're at. 
we've got the the producer price index, but we don't know what the FOMAC is going to say. Everybody's waiting for the Fed. When your entire economy, when the entire world's economy is sitting around waiting for some old man to stand up out of a chair and say words, you don't have an economy. You've got a gulag. That's what you have. Make no mistake. Let's just move on from there. Crypto industry destined to be Bitcoin focused. After SEC actions, MicroStrategy founder Michael Michael Saylor says, this is out of, by the way, this is Coindesk and written by Amitaj Singh. Business intelligence firm MicroStrategy's founder and executive chairman Michael Saylor has said recent enforcement actions by U.S. regulators have made it clear that the crypto industry is destined to be rationalized down to a Bitcoin-focused industry. Quote, MicroStrategy's views since 2020 has been that the only institutional-grade asset is Bitcoin, said Saylor in an interview with Bloomberg on Tuesday. Quote, it's pretty clear that the regulators don't see a legitimate path forward for cryptocurrencies, and so the entire industry is kind of destined to be rationalized down to a Bitcoin-focused industry with maybe half a dozen to a dozen other proof-of-work tokens, end quote. Last week, the SEC filed lawsuits against Binance and Coinbase. Dude, yeah, I know. We all know. Continuing, I skipped that part. Sailor's MicroStrategy began buying Bitcoin in 2020 while calling the cryptocurrency a million times better store of value than gold. The company now holds approximately 140,000 Bitcoin worth about $4 billion. In March of 2023, Saylor lost a bid to dismiss claims that he failed to pay personal income taxes, interest. However, the court dismissed claims. Why is that even a thing in this? What? Why don't you take a backhanded slam at something that hasn't been news for for a year? Do better, Coindesk. Do better. Saylor said that since uh, 25,000 other cryptocurrencies have been angling to position themselves as Bitcoin or a better Bitcoin, the public now understands that Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. He said the next logical step is for Bitcoin to multiply 10 times in value to $250,000. Quote, eventually, I have confidence that the crypto exchanges will come around to realizing that Bitcoin really is the dominant asset in the space and their business models are fine when Bitcoin goes up by a factor of 10. There's two things that I disagree with. One, that whole backhanded comment about bringing back up that whole suit, lawsuit that he was evading taxes, which was dismissed, had no place at all in this article. You can like Sailor. You can hate Sailor. You can be completely neutral on Sailor. But you got to start wondering why Coindesk and this particular writer dropped that in there. Was it to eat up some word space so that their editor would say, yeah, okay, here's your, you know, you, you did 300 words or whatever it was. Or was it something else? There's no reason for that kind of behavior, dude. I'm sorry, but there's just absolutely no, there's, there's, no, you're not getting off the hook on that one. You can go. You can go pound sand. And the other one here is I disagree with Sailor. I don't see how crypto exchange can exist if it's Bitcoin only. That's not to say that I want exchanges to exist other than, you know, if if it's an exchange that is making money on me giving them U.S. dollars and them giving me Bitcoin, okay, if that's what you want to call an exchange, that's an exchange. I'm good with that. 
however it is that I want to get my Bitcoin is my business. It's up to me. If I want to do it KYC, if I want to do it non-KYC, that's up to me. I just need a place to on-ramp U.S. dollars and get and pull Bitcoin off or vice versa if I need to sell for whatever reason. I don't like selling Bitcoin. Sometimes it is necessary because bills need to be paid and some of the bills don't take Bitcoin. We'll work that part out at one point or another. But getting back to the exchanges, if, however, that's not going to make them any money and shit coins go away for them, then the exchange is going to go away. And I'm all right with that. Binance, Kraken, all these places, they're they are nothing but shitcoin casinos. And I, I honestly think that they get people in more trouble than they're worth. And therefore, if they go away, I don't care. I really don't care. If I, but, 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 but that impacts, you know, people's ability to actually throw cash on there and get Bitcoin off if they've, if that's what their major on and off ramp is. I don't know the answer to any of this other than just buy Bitcoin and hold Bitcoin. And that pretty much fixes my little red wagon. Hope it fixes yours too. Decrypt, Matt DeSalvo, SEC refuses to respond to Coinbase's rulemaking petition following a lawsuit. Oh boy, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission today said that it had not decided on whether to clarify new crypto rules after America's largest crypto exchange, Coinbase, made a special request for the top regulator to do so. In a Tuesday filing, the Wall Street regulator said it, quote, has not decided what action to take on Coinbase's rulemaking petition. It comes after the United States Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit's judge, Cheryl Ann Krauss, who noted the SEC's lawsuit filed last week, ordered the SEC to reveal whether it has decided to deny Coinbase's petition. That petition filed last year asked the SEC to clarify its rules on which assets should be regarded as securities and how to regulate digitally native securities. It's a pretty simple question, honestly. The SEC last week hit them with a lawsuit. <laughs> Jesus. Coinbase's chief legal officer, Paul Gruel, said on Twitter that the SEC repeat the fallacy that they haven't made any decision on new crypto rules, end quote, adding that they refuse to commit to any deadline despite the court's explicit order. That's what's going down here. The SEC's coin SEC's Coinbase lawsuit is part of a broader crackdown. Yes, we know. A day before suing Coinbase, the SEC hit Binance and its American sister exchange, Binance US, and its boss, CZ, with 13 civil charges. In its crypto crackdown this year, they also targeted the likes of Kraken and Gemini. Gensler, who became the SEC boss in 2021, even hinted last week that cryptocurrency industry wasn't welcome in the States. Quote, we don't need more digital currency, he said, adding that the digital asset world was built on noncompliance. End quote. Coinbase stock, which trades under the ticker coin, was today priced at 5240, which was up 3.6% in 24 hours. So here's the deal. A court, the third court of appeals, has ordered the SEC to make a determination. What what's your ruling on on Coinbase's question? What what are you what's your deal? And Gary Gensler is telling the Third Circuit Court of Appeals, the appellate court judge, whatever that name was. No. We're not going to say shit. 
The SEC apparently is bound by no laws. There's no part of the judicial branch of the federal government that can keep these guys under, I don't know, keep them in their place doing what they should be doing. You get, if I get ordered by a court to come up with something, I'm probably going to have to come up with it or I go to jail. Gary, Gary can do whatever the fuck he wants. Gary can go out in the street and dance naked. Gary can go shoot people in the head 50 times in a mall and apparently just walk away from it. There's no court in the land that can do anything to Gary Gensler. Again, I'm not a fan of Coinbase. I'm not a fan of Binance. I think they're shitcoin casinos and I think they do more harm than good. However, if you've got a rogue agency out there, then goddamn, it's no wonder why Warren Davidson and Tom Emmer want to fire this dude. He's not even subject to an appellate court request or demand or even a suggestion that maybe you should answer the question Coinbase gave you that's been sitting on your desk for a year. And he can't do that because he's in the pocket of somebody that he's going to have to call their token a security. And he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to do that. Dude's corrupt AF. All right, what do we got left here? Uh, Let's do Jack Dorsey's Start Small has pledged $5 million over the next five years to Bitcoin nonprofit bank, BTCKC, Bitcoin Magazine. Bitcoin development nonprofit Brink has received a significant financial boost with a pledge of $5 million from Jack Dorsey's Start Small organization. The pledge, totaling $1 million per year for the next five years, aims to support Brink's efforts in funding Bitcoin development and ensuring the long-term sustainability of Bitcoin's core code base. Brink aims to provide fellowship and support to Bitcoin and Bitcoin-adjacent developers. The organization offers developer grants, mentorship programs, and funding opportunities to promote open-source development for Bitcoin and related technologies. By nurturing new contributors and decentralizing Bitcoin's protocol development, Brink hopes to strengthen the Bitcoin network and developer ecosystem. So that's kind of, I don't know why BTC Casey is bringing this back into the news, but it is a good reminder that this has happened. I brought it to you before. In fact, let me see where, how long ago that was. Let me see if my, if my magic obsidian uh, mind map thing will, will give me something that I can use. Let me just brink. Let's see if brinks in there somewhere. Uh, episode seven sixteen, and then again, Brink was in episode seven thirty, and then again, Brink was in episode well today. In fact, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see, Smara Asset Group donates to Brink for. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, hold on. I'm just. I need to look at this. Okay, so. The news that I brought to you about Brink beforehand was a different donation. Now, apparently, Jack Dorsey, this is his first donation to Brink, and he's donating $5 million. Okay, so BTC Casey, I'm sorry that I that I walked all over your grave. I apologize. You're much better at this shit than I am. I I, I submit to you my deepest apologies. In either event, yeah. Keep your eyes on Brink. Keep your eyes on Brink. What do we have left? 
Uh, let's do this one. For the last one up, we got Decrypt, Pedro Salamano. The United States hasn't determined yet whether it will pursue a CBDC, says a Treasury official. Oh, joy. Nobody's saying nothing. Based on last week's regulatory onslaught, it seems U.S. authorities do not like digital currencies. But a central bank digital currency? Ah, that has not been ruled out yet. At least that's what one U.S. Treasury Department representative said today at Transform Payments USA 2023 conference. God, could you imagine going to that conference? Talk about suit speak. Graham Steele, Assistant Secretary for Financial Institutions, spoke about the U.S. government's FedNow payment service, central bank digital currencies, and the future of open banking at the industry event organized by Reuters. Steele, representing the Treasury Department, was clear in the fact that the United States has not yet determined whether it will pursue a CBDC. He did say, however, that the Treasury is leading an interagency working group to study a potential U.S. CBDC, central bank digital currencies or digital versions of fiat currencies. Yes, we know. We get it. According to Steele, <clears throat> the working group wants to strike the right balance between global financial leadership, <clears throat> oppression, <clears throat> uh, national security, <clears throat> lies, privacy, <clears throat> we don't like it, illicit finance, and financial inclusion. He acknowledged that the risks of a retail CBDC, such as the danger of bank runs, whatever, wait, he acknowledged that the risks of a retail CBDC, such as the danger of bank runs, which could be exacerbated by the ease and speed in which transactions can occur under such a system. Okay. CBDCs have been critiqued by many for their perceived lack of privacy, as well as the fall of institutional trust. Over the years, showcased by a recent poll conducted by the Cato Institute showing only 16% of Americans even support one. Steele addressed these concerns, tying them neatly with illicit activities, a common talking point amongst U.S. regulators and crypto skeptics. Quote, it's important that we consider the extent to which privacy and anonymity might be preserved, he said. Steele added that the Treasury will be exploring privacy-enhancing technologies while also ensuring transparency and traceability, thus reinforcing the trust of users in digital financial transactions. Bitcoin, shitcoin number one, and stablecoins and other types of cryptocurrency were absent from Steele's commentary. Uh, Steele said that the digitization of financial services is coming fast and that the Treasury-led group will look to work Work with industry leaders and policymakers to cover any possible shortcomings. You don't even know what they are, dude. Regardless of what it is to come for the United States government's approach to digital currencies, both private and public, it's clear officials are preparing for the approach itself. Yeah, at one point or another, there's going to be some kind of CBDC. That's fairly certain. When, what it looks like, that's the only questions. But it's something's coming. And it will come from the United States. It's our job to get in the way of that. It's our job to blow up the train tracks in front of the train. It's our job to clip communication lines along the train tracks so that nobody knows what the hell's going on. It's our job to do this, but not in a not in a way that actually disrupts standing United States infrastructure. If you're thinking that I'm telling you to go out and Hack AT&T? No. No. You don't do that. So how do you affect what I just said without doing that? You build your own companies. You build your own communities. 
you build your own networks of effect. People like Strike, people like Start Nine, people like Purism. Put your bylaw caps in place so that you cannot get too big for your britches. Stop being an insect that refuses to understand the ratio between surface area, volume, and diffusion rates of oxygen at standard temperature and pressure. This is a simple chemistry equation, ladies and gentlemen. Diffusion rate at certain, like STP, standard temperature and pressure. One atmosphere of pressure. I can't remember what standard temperature is. It's I 75 degrees Fahrenheit. That dictates how gases and liquids, for that matter, a whole bunch of stuff. The diffusion rate at STP is what determines how big a thing can get. If things get bigger, then it's because they've got some kind of boost, like a heart that pumps blood, and that blood goes to air sacs and circulates within the air sacs to become infused with oxygen, and that bypasses the standard diffusion rate. Companies don't have that. Companies are like insects. Companies get too big. They're not, they they rot from the inside. We have to start considering the fact that maybe, just maybe, and I'm not being socialist here, not being a communist here, but maybe you should look after your soul by not allowing yourself to get so big that you start rotting from the inside because you did not understand basic chemistry rules that have governed the universe since its inception. Just just a thought, okay? Not saying that nobody deserves that there's nobody in the world that deserves to be rich and financially stable. The ability to if you really want a McLaurin Sure, I get it. You know, $250,000 car, I I don't want to begrudge you that. I don't want to begrudge you a house in the woods. I I really don't. But how many houses can you live in? How many yachts can you water ski behind? You know, how how many motorcycles can you actually ride? You know, to me it seems like a management nightmare to have 5 yachts cuz you need a captain. You need to put them on the payroll. You need a boat crew. You need to put them on the payroll. And guess what? They're not timeshare. You're paying for the whole, you're paying them full time, whether you're on the boat or not. It sounds like a management nightmare. And this is how shit starts rotting from the inside. I'm I'm just putting it out there as the idea. Once your company hits a certain level of income that you determine, I can't, I'm not going to determine it for you. I don't think anybody should. What, but determine something that's not stupid, like, well, when I hit $1 trillion a year in income, then I'll split the company into two. I don't know. Does that help? Probably not. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just conjecturing here. If you hate the idea, let me know. If you're neutral on the idea, well, probably not worth your time letting me know. But if you do like the idea, or better yet, if you've got a different route on how to do this, on how to keep things decentralized in the face of this unend- seemingly unending need for humans to grow well beyond the capacity for physics to enable them to grow, then let me know. 
either through a boostagram, like I said, maybe hopefully my lightning network comes back online. God, please pray for me, guys. Please pray for me. Or send me a zap through Domus while we still can. Or DM me. I don't care. Just if you've got a different idea on how to stop things like Apple from happening, let me know. Because Apple, I, I, I haven't believed that they've been acting in anybody's best interest but their own for decades. So anyway, again, not trying to be a socialist here, but that's going to do it for the morning roundup. Dad says jokes. I finally bought my son his first watch. It's about time. Yeah, it kind of dovetails into yesterday's show about horology, which I found relatively interesting myself. I I do enjoy the func- the looking at at you know watch mechanics, you know the jewel the the jewels the parts that move and do all the actual stuff. I love that. I think it's fascinating. I really do. Do I own a watch? No. Why? Because I've got an iPhone in my pocket on me at all times, which is starting to really, really bring home just how enslaved we all are. I really, really hate that thing. In fact, if I can get to it here pretty quick, I want to read you something that I put on Noster yesterday, if I can find it. Okay, here it is. When the zap button is taken off, I implore you guys to not focus your ire on William Kassarin. He lost his job to build Domus. And now this absolute bullshit Apple is forcing him to do is upon us all. Instead, shower your negativity about this, plus any other negativity you have about anything else, onto Apple. They did this, and they will continue to do this, until enough people see Apple for what it really is. A slavery machine. Customers are slaves, their employees are slaves, and their contractors, most notably Foxconn, run a slave ship in their name. Have we had enough yet? We'll let you ponder that question, and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.